Hello and welcome to another episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Otari Dorkin, and with me, as always, is a man who wants to get tore up and pass out in the hot, hot sun. <laughs> well, it's more like the cold, cold moonlight, but yes. Yes, yeah, yes. but you get the premise, right? Like, <laughs> I you're definitely going to die out there. And, yeah, just just drink a lot. You know, it's 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 been a long time since we, or anyone, really, has made a reference to the Moon Knights. So, yeah. thanks, Pat. I feel <laughs> thanks. like enough to... I, here's the thing. Thanks for that, Aqua Teen. Not exactly a deep cut, but... <laughs> no, it's not a deep cut at all. No, here's the thing. I am a broken person on a really deep level, and there's certain things that... I, certain things... I realize now why my family members who were elderly were the way they were. Yeah. Because I am them, and I'm just getting there Listen. over time. Um, I am not. I will sometimes. My children will ask me, like, "Are you and mommy having like? Will we have? Will me and we'll have like a drink, right, with dinner?" Yeah. And like, are you drinking? And I'll say, "Yes." Me and mommy are gonna get tore up and pass out in the hot, hot sun. <laughs> and they're just like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Don't worry about it. Like, it's not important. <laughs> it's from a TV show from when I was like 15 years old or something like that. Right. right. Like, don't worry about it. It's not important." <laughs> Uh, yes. And it's not, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with having singular lines from things stuck in your head. Yeah, forever. Probably for the rest of my life. Frankly, for the rest of my life. I mean, like, be serious. It happens to all of us. And, yeah, the more obscure, you know, (laughs) they're in my head, too. Yeah. Like, lucky for me, 90% of the things that are in my head are from things like musicals. So I will just turn things I say into a song uh, because (laughs) I'm also my mother's son and there's worse things to do in this world because um, I mean like it makes you seem kind of interesting and like uh, you know in a weird way and like you know people could look it up it exists no one at some point we'll hit a critical point where no one will be able to figure out what pass out in the hot hot sun is <laughs> right you know what i mean like where it's just gonna be impossible whereas someone will probably have seen the sound of music or or singing in the rain 50 years from now you know what yeah. i mean like there'll be somebody they can ask they can ask some some weird movie historian who could be like what is this and they'll be like oh that's from singing in the rain your father is just a big weirdo um whereas when i say <laughs> get tore up and pass out in the hot hot sun they'll go to talk to this mythical like 20th century historian, they'll be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Before we get started this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there, you can help us out, keep us going, and get some bonus content. Yeah, bonus you, content. I know you love some bonus content. I just want uh, to turn into a shock jock radio thing every time we do something like that. I just need yes. a soundboard. I want a soundboard with a toilet and a fart noise, and I'm good to go. <laughs> you, you need the awuga too. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, gotta have an awuga. Uh <laughs> 
We do a non-Criterion film over there once a month for 11 months out of the year, and then our holiday episode is always uh, publicly available to everyone. But that is also a non-Criterion film. Uh, but for just a dollar a month, you get access to those bonus episodes, the entire back catalog, 40 of them at this point now, uh, or more. And uh, you also get to vote on what movie we're going to watch. I put together a list every month. Sometimes I take lists as suggested from our supporters as well if you want to you want to do that sort of thing and uh, oftentimes if a user uh suggests a list i will also uh end up having them guest as yeah, the which is always a lot of fun on the episode which is we get, really fun it's yeah great. it's it's neat to find out why people chose the things they chose and and things like that it's right. a lot of fun i need to need to have a conversation with someone who chose to give give us money is uh, really right really yeah fun absolutely yeah. we never we've never actually interrogated anyone as to <laughs> anybody why, why they do that which is probably good uh, because that that feels that feels very dangerously close <laughs> to looking the gift horse in the mouth and like mm-hmm. jinxing yourself and be like oh no we made them think about it and now they don't want to give us money anymore <laughs> now, right right upon further right. inspection i should not be doing this with my money try not to antagonize our Patreon supporters uh that is $1 a month, like I said, bonus episodes. Uh, we've watched some great movies over there. Uh, Kazam is always a choice. Uh, and always a great movie. They, yeah, they've made us watch Kazam twice now, which is, it's been fun. The second time was more fun than the yeah, first Yeah, I time imagine it's actually going to escalate in fun as yeah. time goes on, honestly. Right. It'll get more fun as we go on. No doubt. But we've also watched things like The Americanization of Emily, Dog Day Afternoon, Network, Critters 2, Ernest Goes to Camp. Uh, just yeah, it's a, been, it's a, been a wild ride over films. there. Yeah, it's been real wild. Uh, but we have fun. A little above that, $5. Uh, we like to thank those people on air. It's for people who uh, you know want to keep us going, give a little extra, but maybe don't want to give too much extra. Uh, we do have one $5 supporter, and it's uh, it's really delightful because we just recorded an episode with him. Uh, and he, he upped it while it. we were recording, apparently, yeah. and didn't mention it. Uh, but Stephen Goldmeyer, who is a friend of the show from way back and a, uh, a frequent guest, more frequent in the last couple weeks than he has been for a few years, but he was fairly frequent very early in our podcasting careers as well. Uh, and it's great to have him back more often. And thank you so much, Stephen, for yes, being our only you. $5 supporter right now. Uh, Maybe he just a got tired of hearing that. us say that, that we don't have any. And <laughs> right. he's like, that we don't have any support. Put a kibosh on this one. He is, he is a kind person like that. A little extra, uh, $10 a month uh, and above, we do something that's uh, pretty dang special, I think, and mm. so special that a lot of our former $5 supporters popped up to it, uh, and we're very grateful for that. But uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized thank you note, and mail that off to you. And we also like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to Michael McGrath, to Jason Westhaver, to Patrick Yako, Christopher Otto, and Adam Speakerman, our $10 yes, and above supporters much. right now. You get a postcard. I hope you got December's. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. It's a delightful postcard. So yeah, again, patreon.com slash lost and criterion. If you want to support us at any level, we greatly appreciate it. But we greatly appreciate those of you who just listen too, because uh, yeah, we like absolutely. having people here. This week, we are talking about Mon Uncle Antoine, My Uncle Antoine. It's a French-Canadian film from 1971. Uh, the National Film Board of Canada 
put it out. It is directed by Claude Jutra, uh, J-U-T-R-A. I'm not entirely sure how to say that in French or French-Canadian. But yeah, I don't know either. Jutra is probably right. It is widely considered the best film in Canada uh, to the point where yearly lists of best films in Canada voted on by Canadian filmmakers. It frequently tops uh, and is usually almost always number one, which is weird because Canada also produced uh, The Peanut Butter Solution, which is one of the best movies ever made. uh, I mean, they made Strange Brew. I mean, there's a lot of things going for for Canada. We're we're definitely going to end up doing a Canadian film list the month this comes out, aren't we? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I I will say this movie is in a radically different way than the movies we just mentioned uh, is one of the most Canadian films we've ever watched. Oh yeah, yeah. It yeah. is so crazy Canadian. Like it's there so, are so deeply, many things deeply Canadian. That are quintessentially Canadian. Yeah. yeah. And Strange Brew is is one way. <laughs> yeah, there's a different there's very different Canadian. ways of being deeply Canadian. Uh and this is one and of them. Antoine is uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's that's true for any culture, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, but like yeah. it, this one, I don't know. I, I feel like this one leans pretty hard into just how Canadian it is. I I don't know. It's very right. Uh, right. it is very Canadian. So, very yeah. This is a way. a coming of age story uh as I said, released in 1971 but set in the 40s in Upper Quebec in Asbestos. Quebec uh, city so-called because of the asbestos mine there. Uh, This film takes place a little prior to the asbestos strike, which was a, uh, a worker strike uh, at the asbestos mines uh, that uh, ended up getting some uh, clerical support, um, clergy support uh, and some uh, political support and led to what is referred to as the Quiet Revolution, uh, which was a changing of the guard in Quebec that moved politics in Quebec away from a, uh, let's say, theocracy in a lot of ways yeah. um, to, uh, to a more modern, uh, definitely heavily, you know, the Quiet Revolution ended up with a lot of separatism in power, uh, the Quebec separatist movement of of Quebec being its own country away from English speaking Canada, um, and you know if we if we wanted to go down that route we could probably talk for hours about the ideology of a Quebec separatism, uh, you know you're <laughs> trying to trying to sed- listen sedition on stolen land is is a conversation we could have hours yeah, on. Yeah, we're not we going to, to but, but but we're yeah. not going to. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, this is a movie about a young boy, teenager, who uh, lives and works for his uncle at both of his uncle's jobs, which are owning a general store and uh, being the town undertaker. Well, uh, I mean, they're basically the same job, right? Like, Right. He runs literally the only thing that place that sells anything in town, which includes your death, because yeah. you know that's the thing right. you got to do. Because he's he he sells the caskets, right? So, right. Yeah. So yeah. and 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 as in a very small town like this, the person who sells them pretty much has to also like equip them. I right. suppose if you right right pardon the way so. of talking about that. Uh, so it's it it is interesting in 
how it gets political because it does get political in mm-hmm. in not just the politics of the personal ways, but uh, the bathroom graffiti is a really good <laughs> note right, toward right. the beginning of the movie about uh, about uh, how uh, there's one in particular that insults the uh, PM at the time. Uh, whose name I can't remember because I'm not Canadian. Right. <laughs> the uh, the PM of Quebec at the time, not the right. not the or, or whatever. I don't even know if, is it a prime minister of a province. I don't even know if that's I, a proper terminology. I, yeah, actually. good question. The the governor equivalent in whatever it is. Uh, we have some Canadian listeners who I'm sure are cringing at our understanding of. Oh no, it's going to be <laughs> terrible. Canadian I really feel political bad for structure. Them, frankly, like, at this point, I mean. You know, it's, you know, we, we usually, you know, it's just bad luck that this happens to be a Canadian film and, you know, that's yeah. how it's going to go, I guess. But uh, I don't know anything about Canada other than the Canadian people I know, basically. That's how, I, that's how <laughs> yeah. this operates. Yeah. Um, but it is my understanding that, say, the asbestos strike is one of the things that sort of push-started the career of uh, Pierre Trudeau, uh, who did end up being prime minister of Canada and uh and now his son is prime mm. minister of Canada isn't he isn't isn't Justin Pierre's son or am i wrong on that too I, yeah i think is that something i should edit out i think <laughs> that's true i'm like 80 to 90 i don't know if it's son or yeah i think it's son right yeah boy this Wikipedia page, yeah, his eldest son, Justin Trudeau, it became the 23rd current prime minister <laughs> following the good. 2015 election and 2019 election and is the first prime minister of Canada to be the child or the other descendant of a former prime minister. I now know officially more about politics in Canada than I've ever known before. <laughs> With that one sentence. Yep, we done it. Good job. I am more informed. This is like a lot of coming-of-age films uh, of the 70s particular i think yeah <laughs> eventually they kind of get away from it depending on on what you know maybe it's all yeah. about somebody's personal experience and when someone's writing in the 70s about their personal experience growing up uh in a rural town inevitably there's from uh some cringeworthy things going on yeah absolutely <laughs> no matter what and, and that's happens. to be expected i will say on you know i have a sliding scale of coming of age stories because you know we i assume you do as well uh, and I will say that, like, on a sliding scale, we've definitely seen worse. No one in this movie is right. trying to have right. sex with their mother, so we're doing pretty good <laughs> uh, on our scale. And scale is very lenient and very generous. Uh, that is pretty much... It's just because of the, the wide variety of yeah. these films we have watched yeah. so far has necessitated a wide scale. Yeah. yeah. I, I was to- You and I were talking about this a little bit um, before the thing, before the podcast started, but, like... It is a st- I, I, especially when we started to watch this film, and this is not a complaint about this specific film. I I really started as we were as I read the description for this on like on Criterion Channel, I was like, a coming of age story of a young boy. I'm like, oh my fucking god, like, I was like, I really am starting to come to grips with the fact that like, somewhere in the neighborhood of like eighty percent of film, is like some dude's coming of age story. And that, and that, like, <laughs> film, the film as a concept, the film industries that exist in this world that we live in, is deeply, deeply obsessed with the coming of age of young men. 
This yes. is, of course, derived from the fact that most of the people in the industry are men. So, like, the, the net result of that, they're interested right. in their own right. coming-of-age stories. But, like, based exclusively on what we've watched in the Criterion Collection and what we've experienced outside of it, one would assume that there is literally no more significant event in the history of mankind than some kid going, some dude going through puberty. I think right. my specific wording was some guy getting older and his dick <laughs> getting weird. But, like, this one's not as much about that as, as some of the other ones are. But, yeah, like, yeah. it's just... And, of course, <sighs> we have watched plenty of coming-of-age movies that are not that and also aren't someone writing from personal experience, right? right. Like uh, George Washington or uh, Ratcatcher. Um, right. You know, they were directed by people who were not necessarily uh, portrayed in their main character. Right, yeah, whoever that's it was. Yeah, totally. Like, um both of those movies are about boys, um but Ratcatcher is about a uh, a young boy uh and was directed and I believe written by a woman. Uh and uh George Washington is about a black boy living in poverty and uh directed by a uh white man who I do not believe came from an impoverished right. background. Right, yeah. Um, I mean... And still know, both phenomenal movies. Right, and, 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 I'm not, and that's why I, I don't... I, right. I will say, like, I my, my reference to that sort of dread I feel is because of the sum total of the experiences we've had, not so much right. the... Right, 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 the, right. There are very... There are obviously very good versions of this. We have watched very good versions of this. And we've watched so watched some really terrible ones of this, and like, and outside of the Criterion Collection, I've watched a lot of shitty ones of this as well. It's like, this is the go-to topic, and that's it's not a comment on this film specifically. It's just now I've gotten to the point in this project that we're doing that when I see a young boy's coming-of-age story in the description, I groan a little bit to myself because I know it's either because it's be, another one, it's right? another <laughs> one, and it's it could be good. But there's a decent chance it won't be. Like yeah. there's there's a non-zero chance that it won't that it will be bad, and that, and it will certainly have cringeworthy moments for sure, almost guaranteed. Right. Because yeah, of the date and time. Yeah, basically. And you know that the common trajectory for most of these movies, and and one that this does sit in, is the uh, the boy who becomes disillusioned with the adults in his life. Right. right. Um, and, and to that extent, this is a, a fairly common tale, even as it is maybe in an uncommon setting. Right. Uh, which, you know, universality and, you know, a, a lot of people do have those experiences, right? Right. But... And, and there uh, are almost... A, a lot of our stories have that we've watched in this right. vein have been in uncommon settings. Like, the, that is... Right. People right. tend... It, they do tend to be made by people who grew up in a in a position or situation that they feel they want to share with the world because they they've never seen a movie in their specific circumstance, right? Like they've never seen right, right, right. that one. Right. And you know, another aspect of all of this, um you know, uh accepting the the exceptions we've already mentioned is a lot of writers, screenplay writers as well as novelists, they're First work, uh, if not their first four or five works, are heavily autobiographical, right? Because yeah. 
they write what they know before they try to write what they don't know. So uh, I was reminded this week because of the weather, mostly uh, post uh, post Christmas, uh, particularly uh, and into January, the the rain melting the snow always reminds me of uh, the movie Wonder Boys uh-huh. uh, uh, because that is the weather in Pittsburgh. Uh, during that right. movie. Um, but also thinking about Wonder Boys always reminds me of my first creative writing class at a small Rust Belt liberal arts college uh, where uh, the professor, Dan, whose last name I can't remember because he insisted that we call him Dan. And as such, I have no idea what his last name is. Right, right. Uh, Dan started the first the first meeting of the first class period by saying... Please do not try to write Wonder Boys. <laughs> um, uh, and it's the only writing advice I've ever taken to heart and followed. Just don't, for. don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not going to try. Not even going to do it. And and given Wonder Boys and that Dan was a creative writing teacher, it might be that he just didn't want himself portrayed in, in right. a uh, negative light. But uh, Dan was a fun guy. Uh, anyway, all that to say... Uh, that we've watched a lot of movies like this and we've watched a lot of good movies like this and there are plenty of bad movies like this and maybe some of those are in the collection too but this one it's pretty good it's pretty <laughs> I good I, yeah, I, yeah i mean i it, this is mostly a lead-in segment more than anything uh this one <laughs> yeah. is not a bad one per se like it, right. as you mentioned it does have some cringe moments but like it is overall in terms of that sort of stuff a more interesting exploration of this topic than some of the other ones we've watched. It is, um, it certainly, as you mentioned, does deal with a time, a, a period in time and a place that like is unique. Um, yeah. It, and that, and that alone, that setting alone is enough to make it more interesting than some of the ones we've watched. Right. Like, um, just watching this lifestyle unfold is, is somewhat interesting in and of itself. Um, right. Right. And it's it's interesting politically, I think, because of what Jutra isn't as well. Because a lot of a lot of the French separatist stuff and, you know, eventually, you know, there were like radical Marxists in the French separatist movement that uh committed uh political assassinations. Right. right? Um and uh and Jutra is not a Marxist and even even prior to when a lot of the intelligentsia started to try to distance themselves from the Marxists because of the violence, uh, he was already not a Marxist. And this is not, this is not, uh, none of the politics in this are really that, or, or even the reflection of the uh, concrete politics that would lead to the revolution that happened between the setting of this movie and the making of this movie, right? Uh, but there is still, you know, there's definitely some class stuff going on here. There's definitely some some outsider controlling us stuff, which is which is maybe where we we will get into the sedition on stolen land, right? Yeah, stuff. there's always that. There's definitely because, a risk in this movie, yeah, because the uh, you know the the guy everybody hates is the English speaking boss right. of the. Who who deigns himself 
to ride through town on Christmas Eve to pass out candy to toss to to not even I mean toss in the well, most condescending drop, way possible. Yeah, it's to horrible. Drop candy bags out of his carriage like, as he yeah, rides Yeah, I by. mean, I I personally enjoyed watching Scrooge McDuck <laughs> roll through town, but right, you know, right. Uh, and you know the manager. Uh, Who's in the first scene, um, and and uh, and Joe's response? I have no idea what he said. I don't. I don't speak English. It's right, it's yeah. a great scene, um, but it it does it does set apart as a uh, in a what it comes dangerously close to doing, and what what Quebec separationism does in many ways and i'm 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 happy to accept the idea that is doing uh, things other than this as well but what it suggests is that the french canada is itself under a colonial rule of english canada that it deserves to be freed from Mm -hmm. but again (laughs) Right, you're on occupied territory. So. Well, and and that you know we run into that with with the the whole of of the United States and and <laughs> right, Canada, right? right? right. Like, there, the the layers of sort of the you know, and and this movie is absent any you know native voices at all. So there's right. there's that they they are. As far as the story is concerned, not relevant, not present. Um, but yeah, um, right. Um, yeah, but again, getting uh, getting away from the politics because it's not something this movie wants to be involved with. Not really. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Antoine throws snowballs at the town boss, but that's not <laughs> that's as close <laughs> of, a, of a class critique as this gets, and. I it's mean, not yeah. I exactly. mean, I guess the second would be the 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 father who can't handle really either job that he right, and he does this every year, as far as we can tell. We can tell where he just moves right. back and forth. Like he's a, he's an interesting character in that, like he he doesn't like sort of the yoke of of the of the job at the mine, but like can't handle the the fact that he has to be so sort of far away from his family right. uh, at the to, off doing logging and so he's kind of just keeps driven it's not exactly politics but like he he leaves the mine because he doesn't like having overseers and people demand making demands of him and you know it's right right and 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 again you know <laughs> there are levels of framing here right and I don't want to say that the people of Quebec are somehow free of oppression because they are themselves are on occupied land. And I wouldn't right. say that about anyone in America either. Right. Uh, you know, and and the class oppression of uh, of mine labor is is everywhere. Particularly. Well, and, and I think, but, yeah, yeah, but not just not just mine labor, obviously, but mine, but in particular, mine labor is literally an asbestos it. line. Yeah, literally, mean, yeah. <laughs> like like the only thing more overt that that you are literally being paid 
to mine something that is destroying the planet. <laughs> the only right. thing more overt than coal is, is asbestos. Yeah, asbestos. Yeah, and and yeah, and and and, and it's actually honestly in that respect. I'm not going to say disappointing because, like, I can't say that. It's not fair. But, you know, whenever I see a movie that is ripe, ripe for, like, a commentary on, on like, labor and, like, and, and class consciousness, this movie just does not have that. It's just, just, I mean, other than portraying the mine owner as just the biggest piece of shit in the history of mankind. Right. Which is right, great. Right. Which is great. Um, it really doesn't engage with that, right? And I guess in that sense, right, it's from the perspective of however old our main character is i kind of have lost track in my head about 15 i think yeah he's meant to be i think he's got to be younger than that though right is he 15 i was thinking like 13 that's just in my head though he just didn't look 15 i guess well i think the girl is explicitly 15 and he's probably a little younger than her maybe yeah but yeah but okay so let's say around 50 oh yeah it says point of view of a 15 year old boy benoit so okay 15 sure uh, yeah, somebody okay, somebody else thinks he's 15 we'll go yeah, with somebody it. else agrees with us um but you know it, from a perspective of a 15 year old boy like that does track though right like yeah it, it, it you know the the person that everybody in town kind of doesn't like is going to be a cartoonish sort of villain character that is sort of nebulously bad right like you don't Right. You're not engaged with the with, with the with the class struggle there because you're 15 years old, right? The only problem with that being that we do have scenes that don't have Benoit in them, which means the movie is not exclusively from the perspective of Benoit, which means that like it could, it could have it if it wanted to have it. It doesn't, yeah, but it could. Um, which is not a negative. It's not like a. It's not like a strike against the movie. It's just you know. It's just Do we a have thing. a lot of scenes without Benoit? Uh, we have. I mean, we've, we, we have, obviously our first scene is without we, Benoit, every and, and pretty we, much any scene, any time with Joe's, uh, Joe is right. is not Benoit. That's true, right? Yeah. And and we get, we get all the scenes with like let's see here, we get all the we get the scenes. contextualization, the sex scene, well the the aftermath of sex scene. Uh, we well all all the scenes with um yeah what is that guy's name um. Uh, uh, the the clerk uh claude uh, fernand no um, is it, is it okay uh, uh oh yeah fernand, claude yeah. jutra is who is plays the, it. the director the plays director. fernand i always yes. do that on <laughs> yes. the cast list i was right. going backwards right um yeah. yeah fernand is any scene with him where he's dealing with the right, the right. he's mostly wife he's is, mostly not seen yeah, I, I'm not saying that it's not like from his perspective. I'm just saying it's not like it's not a piece right. That I, was is just, exclusively I was just trying his perspective. to. Yeah, I was clearing in my head just how much of this film right. isn't it, something it, that it, he he would be narrating him. for us. Though there yeah. is, you know, there's no narration, obviously. But but right, right. But if we imagine the movie as that, like, there's things he couldn't possibly know as a as a person, right? Like he is yeah. he is. There's story elements that are not from his point of view because there's no way he knows what Fernand and and Cecile are doing upstairs. <sighs> right. Like it's impossible. Like uh so I mean which is fine. It, it just it just means that like there are opportunities to make commentaries on things if they want to if if he wants to and he chooses not to. Like that's not what the movie's about. It is it is sort of ostensibly from Benoit's perspective as a 15-year-old. Yeah. Um, 
and 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 the movie does want it the movie definitely does want to talk about sex right it doesn't want to talk about about class politics and struggle but it definitely does want to talk about sex which is where things for me get unfortunate because it does the thing that nearly every boy's coming of age story does which is like well it's time for us we have to talk about sex and like <laughs> but like i already know how 15 year old boys feel about sex like i don't that part is very cliched to me that part is Right. Whether it does it a good job or a bad job of that, that is a very cliched thing to need to talk about. It's just and, 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 and then that, yeah. whenever I see a movie doing it, I'm like, well, here we are. They're gonna peek on somebody. That's gonna happen. Right. We're definitely right. gonna have that scene. So there's gonna be some inappropriate touching of whatever young female lead is in the movie. That's gonna happen. Right. Right. How that's handled in the movie will differ. Uh, like you know, each movie is different. Uh, just like different people's experiences are differently are different, but like it'll happen, and it does. It's just you know, it's the way it is, right? Um, you know, this movie I'm still trying to sort of trying to reconcile how all that stuff stu- sort of stuff unfolds. I mean, again, it's a sliding scale for us. Right. Uh, there's no there's no rape in this film, which is nice, good. Thank you. Uh, there is sexual assault. True, that is true, uh, and quite a bit of inappropriate touching. There's uh, absolutely a lot of inappropriate touching. Absolutely, even even beyond, uh, you know, uh, Benoit himself. Uh, Fernand slaps Carmen's ass at one point too. Oh, does he? Uh, I missed that part. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, a, she's you know, well, yeah. really just after she's introduced, um, like. Then, you know, they have, it is just prior to when she puts the fake flower in her blouse uh-huh. uh, so that uh, Benoit will reach down blindly and, oh, and, okay. and grab her. And, she, you know, she's being playful at that point, right? You know, and and she's always, she is consenting to whatever happens. Right. I mean, they, they have a, a, they a have joke a, from her end. Yeah, they have but a just, young people's sort of right. relationship as as she walks out into the floor of the store for that sequence uh fernand slaps her ass which um, which does bring us to an interesting point about our director <laughs> which yeah. is um he has had has been posthumously accused of being a pedophile and committing pedophilia that yes great to the point where he was quebec removed his name from the quebec culture prize oh man i did not know that all the roads that they named after him uh in the wake of the allegations uh at first they were allegations that were um just published and then later on the anonymous victims came forward and so the Quebec, I think reasonably so, decided to just say, nope, we're not going to do it anymore. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to bother trying to figure out whether that's true or not. I mean, it, you know. I mean, whether or not it's true, we, we do have we do have uh, 
a recorded image that he directed and put out. Yeah, absolutely, of totally. Him slapping yeah. the ass of a te- ass of a right, teenage absolutely. girl. And then so, also, they shouldn't have to try to figure out if it's true or not. My point is, that right. just, I know from the history of the world that I live in that when people get accused of, of sexual assault, that is right, the, right. the process we go through in modern American media, where we have to like litigate it pretty hard. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, the point is that, uh, yeah, it, it is an interesting thing to think about in context. In that context, that scene is an interesting thing to think about what right, it means. Right. So, yeah, uh, I guess for for complete context, the Criterion release of this was in two thousand eight. So, that it, yes, it, it does predate it, all those allegations. Absolutely, that is yeah. true. Of course, the flip side of that being that Criterion <laughs> does continue to sell the DVD that they, you know, I mean, like, that you know, is, that is as we've mentioned about with the Criterion Collection, the Criterion Collection is is a special yeah. place where advancing context plays very little to no part in their decision making as far as I can tell. The uh, movie continues to be well regarded yes. by... Also true. The yeah. Canadian film industry as well, right? Right. So, yeah. so yeah. I mean, it's There's... it's a real it's, but it is something worth mentioning because, in the context of the release of the Criterion film, this is not a thing that anybody is talking about. But then again, yeah. you know, we we also have the thing that's stated on the Wikipedia page, which is this is a well known fact about him among people in the industry, right? Th- that right. like as we always hear whenever this stuff comes up, which is. Oh, everybody Open knew. secret. Yeah. Right. Uh, which yeah. is gross. And a thing that Criterion presumably would also maybe know, right? Somebody in Criterion may have heard a rumor or something, right? It, it's, I don't know. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. It's just, he slaps a girl's, uh, like yeah. a 15-year-old girl's butt in in his movie. Right. And then you, like, it's just. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is actually very interesting to me in that i didn't know this and usually usually this relationship is flipped i'm yes I, every so often i like to <laughs> shock you yeah yeah it's 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 very nice uh to have you shock me i wish it weren't with this information yeah well, but in unfortunately it's almost always shit like this <laughs> right when it does right. happen Every so often Yikes. i like to turn the tables on you we've moved beyond that we're disappointed in the class politics uh, we've gotten through that the man's uh, apparently a pedophile. Uh, I suppose pederist, right? He's only accused of being a pederist, not a pedophile. Um, I don't know. I personally do not That's the know Wikipedia framing, and, and Wikipedia will... Uh, I am sure there's a dedicated group of individuals who, go who uh, search that. Wikipedia for the word pedophile and replace it with with some synonym of pedophile. <laughs> Um, uh, oh okay but like is pederasty only with young men i don't understand anything i don't <laughs> i don't know anything about anything i'm i don't know man like yeah pederasty is is general if he's accused of pederasty it is generally yeah uh an older man and a young boy you know um so you know but still Obviously, he has a uh, <laughs> everything else we've said about this movie stands. So, like, yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, no, nothing. Whether or not he's accused like, but... of sexually abusing uh, young women as well as young men 
uh, he uh, he still he still has himself filmed, uh, right? Spanking a young woman, so right, yeah. Uh, and, and so I mean, it's it's it is a thing worth noting, and yeah. And so like I mean, I in my sliding scale thing that I'm talking about, you know, there's this movie has that stuff in it. We've seen such much, much more egregious versions of it, which right, is a weird right. thing to say because it's like, well, on the scale of evil, is there like, you know, you get you get that question that we've had to wrestle with quite a bit, right? Yeah. Um, and like, it's not one that's really fun to talk about personally, but like, you know, it, at least, at least Benoit's relationship with Carmen feels like a relatively real story with regards to you know the way they interact with each other not she reacts good. natively when he goes too far at one point right right uh but it does but like in right. terms of a film like there we've seen movies where it would continue to progress forward and there's this is a film where that right. doesn't continue to progress forward so right right and and what does continue to progress forward is her Caring about him later right. on, right? Yeah, yeah. and and which which um, does play into the idea that they have some sort of real relationship with each other. I mean, they're fifteen right. years old, but it is a relationship right. of fifteen right. year olds with right. each other, right? Yeah. Okay. Of course, you know, but still step back that we have male screenwriters and male absolutely one hundred percent. Of course, there's the, uh, there's it does yeah. extend much further. I I'm just saying we've seen much worse, and I can deal right. with what I saw on the screen. Today right, right, right. or the other day, instead so, of that. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but but that but that's the thing, right? That's what that in many ways this movie is about that and death, and that's it. That's what this movie right, is about. So right. those are the two things we get to talk about, really. Sex and death. And yeah. and if we don't want to talk about the sex element, we have to talk about the death element, which I feel it doesn't real. Okay, boy, are we gonna? Am I gonna like make it sure that we can never have Canadian? listeners ever again <laughs> is that what i'm gonna do I, I don't know what are you about to say that no i mean okay no it's just i feel it's 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 dealing with death is on a relative scale a little shallow yeah okay like i we have watched movies that engage so insanely deeply with the concept of how a young person deals with the death of somebody that they know or don't know, this one, it's mostly just about like being a little bit freaked out by it and then realizing that the adults are also a little freaked out about it and then like being like, oh, they, they kind of suck too. Like, it doesn't have a lot of emotional depth with regards to death, in yeah. my opinion. That's just my opinion. I don't think it's bad about it. I don't think it's terrible or anything. But, like, I would like to point out that we watched Yee Yee on this podcast, which so deeply, deeply engages with the concept of death. And we have watched other movies that do that. And, And that's from the perspective of a young person. That's not from the perspective of an adult dealing with death. That's from the perspective of a young person dealing with death. And this one doesn't. I don't personally get the feeling like I feel like Benoit's going through a relationship a, a relationship with death where he's like 
kind of upset by it. Like it, it's upsetting to deal with and withdrawals from yeah. it. And then we never progressed really past that. Where he's made uncomfortable. He's, he comes to contact, comes in contact with it, has to engage with it on the level of like, now I have to touch it and deal with it. Right. And then it sort of stops there. He engages with death's obligation, you know, and his obligations regarding right. the young man's left death. But he also views uh, himself in the boy who died, right? Right. Uh, and you know that final that final scene where he, uh, they find the body again, and and apparently Joe's has recovered it and taken it home. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is is the premise of what has happened off screen in that final scene, but we get that four hundred blows freeze frame end. Right. Right. And and it's just after he sort of walks in and understands what's going on here. Right. Um, not to say that the consequences of what has happened and what happens next in that in that room is any more interesting than what we've seen already or or that we need to see it, I guess is what I'm saying. We don't need to see right. what happens next. Um <clears throat> but it's still, you know, that that sort of freeze frame ending and and the whole you know, uh series of you know, episodes that is the movie's plot. Um I don't even know really where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. My brain's not working today. No, I, but, I mean, yeah. But that whole series of things and, you know, it's just, it's not him having comes to terms with it. It's not him dealing with death more directly. Uh, certainly the conversation he had with his uncle, <laughs> drunk <laughs> uncle right. in the middle of the night, uh, a man facing death in that very moment because of his own idiocies, certainly, even though that's not really overtly pointed out. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is a story less about Benoit and more, you know, our titular character is the uncle, right? But Benoit is not really presented as telling us about his uncle all that no. much here, you know, and there's no narration, so it's never overtly that. But, you know the the time we learn of the most about who Antoine is is Benoit dealing with his you know near blackout drunkenness, um, right? And, in the and middle of the night on we, a snowy, we in a find out from a drunk Antoine that like he didn't want to do this. He wants he wanted right. to like own a hotel in the city or. Right. Something that he hates the country. He hates the country. And this is all like, yeah, now we learn about Antoine. We know that Antoine's, his wife is cheating on him with the clerk. Right. And this is all. Which he knows. Right. Which he knows. Yeah. And like, but, you know, doesn't do anything about. Um, It's. (sighs) This is, I, boy, man, I I hope we have a Canadian audience member of this. I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. Like you just I know it's. I think it's beautiful. I think the movie is like a really like it is a very. I I I enjoyed watching right. it. I I was never like bored. I watched the whole thing through. I was engaged with the plot line. I I followed it all the way through. It's not like it was bad or anything like that. 
But like in the grand scheme of things, I was like, well, I've seen versions of this movie already, like a lot. Right. And right. I kind of just don't care anymore. Like I don't, and it sounds and so course, cold and harsh, but yeah. I just don't no. care anymore. No, but of course a national film board is going to uh, love their version of that right, story. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah, of course the Quebec yeah. film board loves it. I don't know how many films come out of Quebec, Quebec every year <laughs> slash every decade. Like, I don't know what those numbers are. I'm sure you'd be surprised at how many. Yes. I'm sure it's a I'm shit sure ton. I'm sure both of us I'm be. sure it's yeah. absolutely a shit ton. But, like, when one becomes famous internationally, of course you double down on that shit, man. Right, like, right, right, right. Every time a famous movie comes out of Ohio, everybody fucking loses their mind. And, like, <laughs> and the Ohio film right. board has to start. Like, it's how it works. It's fine. And it's not a right. terrible movie. It's not bad. It's it's actually good. It's well done. It's just like, uh, I'm it's just so tired of watching <laughs> right. young men yeah. learn about l- sex and death. I'm right. just burned out on it. And like, yeah. that's not a comment on our that. podcast. I love doing our podcast. I love talking to you about that. Except for I've run out of things to say about this particular plot line. <laughs> Like right, this particular right. plot, I am so out of things to say about it. It's like, does it like Benoit grows, but Benoit doesn't grow a lot. It's yeah. about Antoine, but it's not about Antoine because like Antoine is titular, but also very yeah. almost irrelevant. Uh, yeah. He's just the adult that that Benoit has to reflect off of. In it terms takes of, place over one Christmas Eve into Christmas morning, so yeah. it doesn't even like. There's not enough time to really grow. Right. We see we see the small, uh, you know, Antoine steals a little wine and, and, and host from the church. And the the priest isn't exactly above board on everything either. And right. uh, everybody's around character and, you know, as a snapshot of a type of life in a rural place that is foreign to us and we don't really care about. Sure, that's great. Um, you know, there are other snapshots of a type of place that is foreign to us that we have more interest in. Uh, and, and I'm not But I think because they are saying more compelling much. things than yeah. this is saying. Yeah, you know, I think this so. Isn't, this isn't a super compelling story. Right. But it is one that is actually shot really interestingly at times. Yeah, it's, it's shot like, well. I mean, yeah. I, I really, it's very nice to look at. And like, it's the not, P- yeah, go ahead. The POV shots from Benoit's perspective, and I think particularly of, say, sitting at the the table when they first get to uh, Joseph's family's house. Is, is, um, yeah, that one's a really... Really the POV really ones one. where where the sound is also like we're inside his skull right. and things are echoing just a little bit. Uh, those are really interesting and yeah. compelling to I me. Agree. Uh, because we're like we're we're literally getting inside his head, right? right? Not just from a from a from a visual perspective, but from an audio uh, auditory perspective right. too, and that is really fascinating. I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm saying that we needed more of things like that. Right. But uh but they are they are very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and, in a movie where there's not a lot of other very interesting things. Right. Going and like on I I was fascinated by how I can only like um like when that POV especially at the kitchen table 
reminded me of Brazil for some reason. Like the sort of yeah. grotesquery yeah. of it was really that was really right. fascinating. That was really interesting. It comes a little bit out of nowhere in the sense that like it it's so much more visually like right. over the top than anything else in the movie is. The uh, the drinking on his way there, his drunken stumbling around the kitchen, and particularly the end result of having drunk so much on the way back are obviously leading into Benoit's disillusionment with the one adult Absolutely. in his yeah. life he thought he could maybe halfway respect. Right. right? Uh, and then he gets he gets home, having saved his uncle, uh, and discovers that the other two adults in his life... Are know, also, it starts off, so, he, sees, yeah. he sees the priest drink the sacramental line, and it's it's a slight disillusionment there. Whether or not he, you know, I don't think we get a a hint of him internalizing that disillusionment because the priest is just like him. And then he walks right. out on top of the pews as the as he leaves the church, right? Um, but he gets the same disillusionment with every adult in his life, uh, right? And you know, Carmen's dad is more overt because Carmen's dad is actually evil. The <laughs> Right. Factory owner is actually evil, right? And and both of those have to do with uh, resource control, right? Carmen's right. dad is evil because we never see him overtly abusive, but he does, you know, she's living with the people who pay her wage, right? right? She she lives at the store, which, I mean, it's just, the store is a house, too, uh, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. But, um, but her dad shows up. On payday, collects wage, to take like, all of her money, wages, yeah, right. and then right, you know, her uncle pulls back twelve. You know, well, her, no, it's uh, Carmen's oh, not there. No, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, but yes. Benoit's uncle uh, Antoine right. holds back like five dollars or whatever, right, for her. But this her Christmas Eve is the first day he's done that, right? Because they have right. specific, yeah, it's totally the, specifically the a surprise, there, right? yeah, right, uh, yeah, so. You know, and that's that's a hint that you know, Antoine is the best person, right? In right. this in this yeah. town, to a certain extent, and then afterward, he is, uh, you know, then all of his faults are revealed, right? We we set him up as right. as the good guy, the put upon husband, the one who wants to wants to save this little girl, and then. He hates his life, right? And that's, right. you know, but, but then Antoine they, is a compelling character. I don't want to argue right, that no, he's not. I, I right. mean, he's just not, I don't think he's dealt with enough, personally. <laughs> right, right. And then right. I would argue that, like, and that's an interesting thing as you get into a conversation is like, is this movie judgmental about the other people in the film by that, including Antoine, in the sense that, like, none of these people are, other than, like, other than Carmen's dad, who is certifiably doing an evil thing, like, the you know the other things in this film are just people being people things. Ba- I mean, like obviously the mine owner is not even a character really. He's just a fucking right, asshole right, who rolls right. you down and Scrooge McDuck's around and then he's not, and he's gone. Right. He doesn't count. Right. But every other adult that Benoit encounters are just people being people, right? And Benoit comes, I guess, to terms with the fact that like this is what people are like. Uh, people do these people things, um, but like, does it? Is it making a judgment because he gets disillusioned by it? Is it making a judgment about people or like are they bad? I don't. I mean, he clearly makes a judgment about his uncle, right? 
and and about Benoit specifically himself makes a judgment about these adults, which is they're all not worth looking up to. But you know, it, it you know it is that's it's an interesting thing, I guess. But like then again, like you know, his uncle is an alcoholic. His aunt is having an affair with the clerk. The clerk is scummy because as we as previously acknowledged, he slaps a fifteen year old girl on the butt. Uh but like the affair like the movie wants to be judgmental about the affair, but like that's not really like a I don't know how to put like how to phrase this. Benoit wants to be judgmental. About That's what the I mean. But I don't ben- know that the movie wants to be well, judgmental. Well, okay, about yeah, I I agree. And Benoit is really just like, tired at that point. Tired right. of dealing with with the adults in Adult his life bullshit. not being yeah. what them to be. <laughs> yeah. Right, and right. I, that's what I mean. It's like I, it's hard to tell, right? Because I don't. I yeah. yeah, I agree. It's not necessarily judgmental. It's just that like he gets fed up with the adults in his life based on these things that they are doing. Right. And and I guess that's you're right. That's not necessarily judgmental per se in the sense it's like judging them as bad or good. But then okay, sure. So he discovers that all the adults in his life are for one reason or another somewhat unreliable and not you know, beacons of like you know, the virtue that he was expecting them to have, right? And right. like his aunt has never been like mean to him in the movie prior to you know what I mean? Like, you know, Antoine's set up to be the good guy and like, and you know, that this is about discovering that he's an alcoholic and right. not necessarily a good guy and doesn't like his life. Um, But, you know, his, his aunt's nice to him. She doesn't treat right. him badly or anything. Yeah. She's not some wicked stepmother. Yeah. Fernand, the right. clerk is also not, does not treat him. I mean, they have a, he's a bit bossy and, and a little bit right. like, just go do your fucking job. But like he's not yeah. mean to him. He doesn't treat him and badly. He doesn't hit he him. He tells Benoit like to do stuff that probably Fernand wanna, should be doing yeah, too. Yeah, right? absolutely. But, doesn't want to do. Yeah. But like we've all been there. That's like we all, you know, that's a thing. Um But what I mean is like in the end, yeah, he's disillusioned, but like we don't learn that like adults are bad. We just learn that adults are people too. Right. right. Which is I guess an interesting relation re- revelation, although fifteen does seem a little late to discover that. Uh, <laughs> but whatever, that's, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, my issue with it is it's a different the time end, then, man. You didn't have the yeah. internet. The, the right, internet you helps you do- figure out that your parents are jerks pretty early, much earlier. <laughs> like yeah. I'm just saying, like in the end, it's like it's like a it's like a precious snow globe of a of a thing, right? Like it's like right. I wanted to encapsulate this this moment in my life and like bottle it for like consumption yeah. by other people. And so I have these really beautifully round characters with really interesting lives, quote unquote. And like and this young boy from this young boy's perspective, it's all okay. Sure. Thank you for presenting this snow globe to me. It is quite beautiful. It has quite a lot yeah. of things that are visually interesting to look at and, and the story's not bad, but like it, if we talk about it in terms of story, like not much progression happens, right? Like we are not right. much. And, we're not you know, in a different place at the end than we are at the beginning, really. Other than, Uncle and a, a, a you know, a level. movie doesn't need. No, I, I totally you know, agree. I this is this is a vignette, sure. Yeah. It doesn't, but it doesn't need to be anything more than a vignette necessarily. 
I think an interesting aspect of the background of this movie is that these this isn't Jutra's life. The Criterion essay for this one, written by uh, Andre Lucel, um, talks about the the screenwriter just you know telling Jutra anecdotes about his childhood in rural Quebec, uh, as a means of telling Jutra that he has no idea what life is like. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and Jutra says, "Oh, I love all this. Uh, we, let's write a movie about it." <laughs> um, and then strings together those anecdotes to to be this film, basically, you know. All right, yeah. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not his, it's not Jutra's life, right? It is, true, right. you know. It's still, you know, something he sees as worth telling. Yeah, um, and it's, and I don't think it's not worth telling. It's just it, you know, it's, it's. I I think for me personally, I'm having a lot of. A hard time to figure out what to talk about about a vignette right. about right. a a story that where like things happen but they're just sort of the the day-to-day interactions of a small town it's fine it's an interesting thing to do and i didn't dislike it or anything like that i didn't hate it i i, I thought it was beautiful i thought it was interesting to watch but it's like okay well what do we talk about other than the sex and the death that's in this vignette about a young man. Right. And, yeah. uh, that's, that's a tough call for me. I don't. Yeah. The, the exact wording from the criterion essay is that, uh, um, uh, Clement Perron, uh, who co-authored the screenplay had been approached previously by Jutra to make other films. And, uh, quote, frustrated by what he considered Jutra's aloof, condescending, rich kid attitude, Perron started arguing that he, at least, knew the real people of Quebec. He had grown up in a small town, working at his uncle's general store, mingling with farmers and proletarians, unlike Jutra, who had lived the privileged life of a bourgeois in a posh Montreal neighborhood. Jutra was immediately taken with these personal anecdotes and offered to work with Perron on a script about his childhood. It is no wonder that when Jutra went to France, he fell in with people like Truffaut. Yeah, really uh, yeah, easily, no, it all totally right? makes sense, right? Like, this is like, and that's, and that it's like, maybe a little I, more Goddard than Truffaut necessarily, but still. <laughs> yeah, it it, it yeah. is it is striking to me that this this relationship that he had with the 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 screenwriter, or well, you know, I guess yeah. co screenwriter, is right. that like. In a sense, Jutra becomes famous for not co-opting. I don't want to say co-opting, but I am going to say co-opting this this proletarian story of an agrarian like life growing up that Jutra doesn't know he's going right, to right. talk about. He's going to share in the film, and it's like, and that yeah. you, I feel like you can kind of feel that in the film. To a certain extent, right? Like th- that that feeling is there, and that might be some of what I'm the the weird sort of feeling I have about the film, right? Like I don't hate it or anything like that, but it feels maybe that sort of precious snow globey sort of aspect of it comes partially from the fact that like it's not his life that he's telling, right? He's right. telling right. somebody else's life that he's trying to bundle up for like consumption, right? Like. I want you here. Have this person's life, 
please, yeah. please, here is my my gift to you. This person's life that is not that, and like, not to say you can't write about other people's lives. It's totally, you totally can. Um, but you wonder, does that? Jujar becomes fascinated by this story, has a certain sort of can have that air of condescending sort of like right right not yeah. that like i would like i almost want to say exoticism is like well i didn't grow up this way i just want to like it, it's like I, it, it is it is an exoticization of of you know the rural life right you know as as real you know and and it's the same you know i guess uh, godard we get a lot of that stuff too and at least yep. godard eventually becomes a full-on marxist right right uh jutra never made it to that point right um maybe uh maybe to his detriment maybe not who knows whatever i don't care this is the only jutra film we're ever gonna watch right so and, and, and he then, was right yeah. he was a well-regarded film filmmaker prior to this too you know he'd been making right. documentaries and and narrative films uh since the late 40s at this point right um so you know he'd been in the game for over 20 years uh, right but. and 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 this kind of has and it, you know making documentaries this has like you can kind of feel maybe that edge in there a little bit right like that like in yeah. the sense of like talking about somebody else's life and things like that and again there's nothing wrong with that and then also like again this is a it's a good movie i don't disagree that it's a good movie that like right. is well done and it's good to watch i just i don't know man i just I'm in a place now <laughs> about these kind of movies yeah. that, like, uh, maybe eventually one will break me out and I'll I'll not feel that way. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's at least one, uh, one Jutra film we'd absolutely hate more than this one if we went back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While he was living in France, uh, Truffaut asked him to direct a short film called Anna Le Bon, uh, which is a uh, Jean Cocteau. <laughs> Uh, screenplay <laughs> so uh whatever it might be about <laughs> i bet i bet we'd be much more judgmental <laughs> right, about yeah, it than okay. we are about this one <laughs> yeah uh but but yeah like i said he's generally well regarded uh yeah. it is it is true after uh the uh the toronto film festival's top 10 canadian movies of all time uh list only gets updated every 10 years so 2005 was one so uh, 2015 was the next one, and I guess we haven't reached one where right. we'll find out that is post allegations. But he did drop in 2015. They dropped uh, they dropped him down to number two with this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as and, opposed and, to number one where he's been right. for the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah, so. and, and yeah, it, it it is, um, and I understand why you would like why you would say this is like a really you know I can understand why you would say this is a really good film and I I feel like the fundamental problem I'm running into is I I nowadays because of what we put our the position we put ourselves in right now like I need to drill deeper and deeper for for oil in yeah. movies especially when they have a similar right theme as other in, ones in and, young male coming of age stories yeah, yeah. and so like <laughs> right. now like now point. we're drilling really really deep here and like. I'm like kind of hunting, like what's the the nugget I want to like latch onto, and I really came up short on this one. Like I was like, oh, there's nothing that I'm gonna get, there's nothing that's gonna piss me off, so I can talk about that, and there's nothing I'm like super wowed by that I can like talk about either. 
So I'm kind of like in this weird liminal space where I'm like, well, I mean, it's a good one of these, I guess. Yeah. And, right. You know. It certainly ends in that liminal space. Yeah, so. yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah. like, I'd love, I'd love to spend more time with with the the dad who keeps going back and forth. Though is, is um, yeah, like, yeah. The was, the character we was, start with, who is yeah. one of the most compelling people in the movie. Yeah, yeah I'd love <laughs> to spend some more time with him. He seems real interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't spend a lot of time with him. Yeah. So yeah, I, uh, yeah. Right, right. Uh, is he like the remnant of whatever script June, uh, he, the director brought brought Peron? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like he had he had written the script about about the worker, and Peron's like, yeah, that's not that's not accurate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that may be the case. Yeah, like it's it's really just, but like it's more compelling in the sense that like, uh, you know, I mean, at least I want to know about his life i mean right i don't know right. again i just think that the movie industry is obsessed with the coming of age of young men and it it it, it kills me i just it right. really kills and me so is the literary agency <laughs> oh yeah of course so. i i mean like we yeah. i just have at this point in my life engaged with the film industry so much more than the and as than literature as you pointed out at the top of the show you know that is a uh a result of an industry that has traditionally favored male voices throughout its yeah. history uh, and has getting a little bit better about that in more a recent little decades. Bit, but very slowly, yeah. a little bit, yeah. Right. Uh, right. And, 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 and that's interesting. Like, so in 1,200 spines, when we finally get to the Criterion Collection catching up with that trend, you and I might get to see some more in yeah. some more once diverse coming of age stories. <laughs> once we have watched more than a dozen uh coming of age stories about young women or or people of color. We can be tired uh, of those. a piece. We can be tired of those too. Yeah. yeah. Uh until then they'll still be refreshing. Um this one is not really all that refreshing. Yeah. Uh this one particularly reminds me of my life as a dog. The Swedish. Okay. One. Yeah. Yeah. Uh right. Um and that one, you know, it's uh, Plot-wise, it's not super similar. It is someone going to live with their uncle, but, you know, in this one, Benoit is not sent to live with his uncle. We actually, I don't think we really get any definitive answer on what, what happened with his parents, right? Why is he here? Right, yeah, we don't but, learn anything about that at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, my life as a dog still, it's that rural, rural area relationship with the uncle, and, you know, there's... That's probably all it really has in common, but it's been right. long enough. <laughs> right, where but, we start taking know, sort of, we have sort of general thoughts on these kind of things. My life as a dog also has the has the peeping in it, right, and right. that that sexualization stuff. Um, yeah, which almost so. which exists almost universally, practically it feels like right. in young men's coming right. of age stories. So right, right. So, well, what I mean to say that is, you know, my life as a dog was maybe interesting when we watched it, but this feels close enough to that exact story right? <laughs> that, uh, that I'm less interested in seeing it then. And if we'd watch them in the reverse order, that... Yeah, maybe it would, we would feel differently, right? Yeah, I mean, right. when was my life as a dog in our, in our scale? What spine number was that? Well, first off, my life as a dog came out in 1985, so if, if one were derivative of the other, that would be the, right. the, the yeah, that's relationship true. there. But it was number 178. Eight one seventy yeah one seventy eight, so 
five years ago. So, right. right, right, and exactly. And and keep in mind, we've watched other young men come right. of age stories since right. then. Like that's our that's your like the pool because it's just what it reminds you of in your head. But right. you know, we watch a lot of these. Um, yeah. and uh, and despite an overt reference to the four hundred blows, it does not remind me a lot of the four hundred. No, blows. it does not so. at all remind me of four hundred blows at all. Like, yeah, I mean, keep in mind, like, you know, four hundred blows still feels, even to this day, despite having watched a bunch of coming of age stories, does still feel intense in my head. It, right, it right. still feels really interesting and fresh. Um. And like that hasn't really changed for me, despite right. having watched a bunch of movies that probably wanted to be like Four Hundred Blows in a lot of ways, right? <laughs> right, um, right. It's it, you know this one, this one. Sadly, I would say will probably slip into the sort of ether of movies that if you ask me about it in a couple, in like a year or two, I'll be like, well, I don't know. it's about <laughs> right. a boy. I you mean, won't like, remember anything about. I it. won't remember it because, like, you know, it it it, it passed me by. And like, right. maybe for for somebody else, maybe this one just hits it perfect, and you're just like, oh, this is fantastic. I love it. It's great. It like really sinks in. It it's perfect for them, and like they like learn. Right. You know, they they can see themselves in it somehow, and it and reflects back on them, and they they engage with it intensely. This one doesn't have a lot for me to grip it. I don't have, I personally don't have any of these experiences in my life to 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 connect right. with really, or even like a sort of sort of a ground to stand on to connect with them. I think probably we're done talking about this movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I just don't have a lot to add to, to it. Yeah, other than Again, like. I th- yeah, I think there are some interesting and compelling things going on, as we've stated, but but generally it misses me. Uh, and you know, like I said, if I'd if I'd watch this, if this were the first coming of age movie we watched instead of the twentieth, uh, maybe I'd be more interested. Though they did the Criterion Collection itself started us off with four hundred blows. That was the first coming of age. Yeah, movie I'm, we and watched they, the and I think Criterion so Collection they set the bar high. Yeah. We don't. We don't assign a lot of agency to the Criterion Collection with regards to their planning or what they do, but right. it does feel like when they start us off with the four hundred blows, they're like they're like trying to say, like, "Look, <laughs> this is it right here. This, this the, is the one. This is the gold standard for this type of movie." Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna show you yeah. other ones, maybe because it's like right. whatever year that came out, like they added that to the collection and they hadn't maybe figured out what was gonna happen going forward. Yeah. They probably didn't know they were gonna have twelve million spine <laughs> numbers at that point. <laughs> right. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I one has to figure that they that was there was some logic to choosing that, and that is because, yeah, because I yeah, it's amazing, um, and so I I think uh, one does wonder if if to a certain extent we have to deal with the fact that like some things are just sort of to a certain extent pale pale shadows of something that we watched fucking like eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's fair. It's fair. Uh, this week we have been talking about Mon Uncle Antoine from uh, 1971, Canadian film directed by uh, Claude Jutra. Um, next week we will be uh, getting back to another one we loved. Uh, so a, a nice swing from this, I'm sure. I can't speak to the movie itself since I haven't watched it yet, but I am quite sure that we are going to enjoy it as it is traffic. 
uh, directed by Jacques Tati, starring Jacques Tati. It's another Hulu film, which is always fun too. Yeah, uh, I am. If if nothing else, the Criterion Collection has introduced me to the work of Jacques Tati, who I had not heard of prior. Right, and uh, and are glad you know yeah. about. Right, and I'm yeah. very very happy to finally come back to uh, another film of his. Also, the second movie we watched named Traffic, but uh, as we talked about before, Sorry, apparently so. I have a memory gap for the existence <laughs> yes. of us ever watching the other one, so that's cool. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pet, forgot have... that we watched Soderbergh's traffic. Yeah, I and guess again, you. Five at least it ago, helps you avoid uh, me making any references to that film because I don't even remember having seen it ever. Right. So that's cool. <laughs> that's very weird. I, uh, I, mean, I have a very weird. It's a memory. good movie. Uh, you know. I just what, don't whatever. remember. I'm not making it's any fine. judgments. I, my fine. memory is is getting worse as I as I age, uh, and this we've been doing this for eight years, so we've it's watched a lot of movies. So. That is certainly true. It's anyway, not helping. Look, look very much forward to watching Traffic. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. been lost in criteria i'm your co-host adam glass you can find me on twitter at the adam glass my partner is john patrick Hoatari dorgan and you can find him at j patrick dorgan check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey give us a review on itunes it's nice if you really like what you hear consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lost criterion hey our theme music is by jonathan hape check him out at jonathanhape.com and thanks for listening we appreciate it. The funny thing is, is when we started this episode, I was planning to say lots and lots of nice things about this movie, and it just <laughs> fell apart on me. I was like, I, I realized as I got in, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I actually like this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I When I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. I'm enjoying this. And then I got in the podcast. I'm like, well, shit. I guess I didn't. <laughs>